Hello there. How are you? Welcome to Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. This is episode number 375. And today I am talking with Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, better known as Christina Lauren. This was recorded live on the 23rd of October in front of a very excellent audience at One More Page Books in Alexandria, Virginia. They were on tour to promote Twice in a Blue Moon, and I had questions from my brain and from the community at Smart Bitches. We are going to talk about their newest book and the themes therein, I promise no spoilers, and about writing, productivity, travel hacks, caring for your creative self, and their professional and personal friendship. I want to say thanks to Kristen Dwyer of Leo PR and Amber, Patricia, Rebecca, and Anna from One More Page Books, and especially to Margaret, Hannah, L, Sonny Wolf, Nicolette, Nanda Plume, Zoe, and Kareni for the wonderful questions that you sent in. This podcast is brought to you by The Seduction of Lady Phoebe by Ella Quinn. Polite society has its rules for marriage, but for Ella Quinn's eligible bachelors, their brides will show them that rules are for the faint of heart. Available in mass market for the first time comes USA Today bestselling author Ella Quinn's first book in the marriage game series, The Seduction of Lady Phoebe. Can Lord Marcus convince daring, fate-and-driving Lady Phoebe that he's her perfect match? All is fair in love and war. The Seduction of Lady Phoebe by Ella Quinn is on sale now wherever books are sold at kensingtonbooks.com. And for more information, you can visit ellaquinnauthor.com. Today's podcast and the transcript are brought to you by All I Want for Christmas is You by Miranda Lyason. If you like Jill Shalvis, Susan Mallory, and Rayanne Thane, you will love this holiday romance featuring a sexy firefighter, a surprise baby, a fake engagement, and a cookie baking contest, all set against the backdrop of the charming small town of Angel Falls, Ohio. Caitlin Barnes and her longtime crush Rafe Langdon share a sizzling evening that delivers an epic holiday surprise. Caitlin is pregnant. And if that weren't life-changing enough, everyone assumes they're engaged, a charade they must keep alive through the holiday season. But Caitlin knows Rafe better than anyone, and Rafe settling down is about as likely as Santa skipping Angel Falls this year. Rafe would rather Caitlin believe a lie, that their night together was a fling, than face his own dangerous truth. He is falling for her. Hard. Rafe swore he'd never risk his heart again, yet... The longer they pretend to be engaged, the more Rafe starts to want the real thing. But now he has to convince Caitlin he wants to be by her side and their babies for all the Christmases to come. Publishers Weekly calls All I Want for Christmas is You a scrumptious holiday treat. And the book includes the bonus novel Christmas on Mistletoe Lane by Annie Rains and a chocolatey Christmas cookie recipe. All I Want for Christmas is You is on sale now wherever books are sold. Find out more at MirandaLiason.com. I want to extend a very special and heartfelt thank you to our Patreon community. Each pledge helps keep the show going and helps make every episode accessible. You are making such a difference in this show and in many other supporters if you have more than one patron that you are helping. It is wonderful that you make a pledge each month to help shows like me out. Thank you so much for that. If you would like to have a look at our Patreon, it is patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1, and every pledge is deeply, deeply appreciated. 
I will have information at the end of the episode about the music you're listening to. I will have, of course, links to everywhere you can find Christina Lauren. And they're on tour, so they're kind of everywhere. And the episode will end with a truly atrocious, horrible, bad joke because, well, now you've started sending them to me and they're getting better and better. But now, live from One More Page Books in Arlington, my conversation with Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, better known as Christina Lauren. Okay, so um, before we get started, I want to give a few thank yous to start because I like to start with the thank yous first. I want to thank Kristen Dwyer, who is... Who is amazing and is the guiding light on the whole tour and yes. is now dying of embarrassment. Uh-huh. Hi, Kristen. <laughs> She's like we would be lost without her. And you know how like you go to a show and it's like, everybody tip your bartenders? The ladies behind the counter at the bookstore. Amber, Patricia, Rebecca, and Anna. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so Thank much. You. They, they moved chairs and pushed bookshelves and now we get to hang out. Yes. Yay! Okay. So I solicited questions from my website for this evening. So I have a mix of questions from me because I'm super nosy. And I have questions from the people who read my community. And the first question was from Margaret. How are we all going to fit in the bookstore? I mean, this is pretty great. This is amazing. It's cozy and snuggly and yes. just exactly the way a book signing should be. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It absolutely should. Thank you guys for coming out on a Wednesday night. Yes. yes. You, you all look are, very pretty. You do. You put on like bras like, and real shoes. Yeah. You are the real MVPs. <laughs> I'm wearing elastic waist pants and I'm not afraid to say so. You're right? Like, come on. Leggings for, de- leggings for life. Oh, yes. So my my uh, my first question. Now I have already read the book. I promise I won't do any spoilers because I realize you guys have not read the book, and to have it spoiled at a book event would suck. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but I have a few thematic questions. So don't worry. I'm not going to ruin anything for you because I'm not a horrible human being. I'm I only... might inadvertently. I She's going to give away the whole thing. I will do my best. Right. Yes. So I highlighted so many sections of this book. Do you guys have that experience when you read Christina Lauren, you just like underline and highlight and then there's like one word that like gets you right in the fourth ventricle. Like, oh God, (laughs) is that true for you too? Like, do you highlight the hell out of their book show of hands if you've written it? Yeah, I'm glad I'm not alone. Thank you. So one of the things that I highlighted is my heart is a beast with claws that extend wrapping around this compliment and I gobble it down. Do you know that feeling? Like, whoa, I know that feeling. The other one being, to be bitter enemies, I'd have to give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a favorite moment or line in this book that you wrote? Do you have a favorite scene that you were like, okay, this I love so much? Um, I So this is Lauren. I'm Lauren. This is Chris. I should have made that clear. Hi. That's no. Lauren. No, it's okay. We, we just I'm always, Sarah. Yes. Completely <laughs> superfluous to this. <laughs> um. I really love the scene in the beginning of the book when Tate goes out to the garden. So, okay. So a little backstory. Tate is 18. She's going to London with her grandmother for her birthday trip. Her grandmother's a little bit uptight. It's sort of, it's inspired by A Room with a View. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie or read that book, but I was obsessed with Julian Sands in that film. And so I've sort of always wanted to like recreate that feeling. I just heard like five sighs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the whole room swooned. That was a good moment. Um, and so she goes to London and she meets this guy, Sam, who's there with his grandfather. They're from Vermont. And she confides in him. 
And he's the first person she's ever told that she is sort of the long lost daughter of this famous actor. So think of like George Clooney, Brad Pitt, that sort of stratosphere. And she's never told anyone that before. And she admits who she is. Her parents got divorced. Her mom took her away to get her out of the public eye. And she's been grown up. And the media is like, where is she? What's happened to her? So anyway, so she's in London. She's sort of finally allowed out of this bubble of her protective world. She meets this really adorable guy. She tells him her secret. But the first night she's there, she's just antsy. She's excited. She's out in this big world. And she goes out to the garden. And he happens to be there. And I think I just love this scene, just imagining these really manicured gardens in this sort of pristine space. And um, yeah, it's where she goes. And she like really gets to know Sam. Which is a whole other bubble for the just the yes, two of them the two at of night. Because they're yeah. sneaking out. They are. <laughs> What about you, ma'am? Um, it's so funny because sometimes when we finish a book, I'm like, well, <laughs> that's it. That is so true. So fair. Um, let's see. I think um, one of the scenes, like, I don't necessarily know if it's like my favorite, but I think one that I felt really strongly is, you know, she's trying to build this relationship with her father and it's, I mean, I don't know how much to give away. Um, she just is, I mean, that, that thing where she's talking about grabbing hold of the compliment is yeah. her dad says something nice to her and it, it happens so rarely that she is just like starved for it. Um, is a scene towards the end when they're in a diner and, or after the diner where she realizes, oh, Come in. Um, uh, where I hope it's Obama. I know. I know. God, please, Come on, please. Um, where she realizes that sort of what she hoped was happening isn't happening. That's all I could say. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you guys crack each other up while you write? Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, we and that's the the joy of having a co-author. Is yeah. like, I don't have, I mean, I worry about what you all think. I want you all to love every single word we write. Okay. But if I can make her happy, make her laugh, like that's, I've done my job. Right. So that I, and I'm being sincere. I'm not just saying that to be like, when, right. when we first started um, writing, that was like the goal. And that's usually the goal is to like make the other person either laugh or tell us that we're a piglet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if I make her shocked, then I'm like, yes. Yeah. Oh my. I know. And then we have to dial it back usually. <laughs> <laughs> and when you read what the other one has written, yeah. if you remember this book or with other books that you've wor- written or worked on together, has there been a moment where you sort of sat back and went, wow, yes. she's good. Yeah. She's the most beautiful writer. Like I always say that one of the best parts of this job is that I get to read her words before anybody else. Aww. She really is. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Christina's really great at setting the scene. And so sometimes I'm just sort of blown away by opening her chapter and feeling like I can feel like the dew on the grass or the chill in the air or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, I, I love it. I love reading her stuff. It's, I'm always so excited because we upload our chapters to Dropbox after we finish them. And so I know whenever we're like, I upload the chapter, we both just like immediately go dive into it. It's almost like, when you get the email that your favorite fic has been 100%. updated. 100%. <laughs> there is a new file in your Dropbox. Yeah. Excuse me. I have to go right now. Also, I'm like, even after all these books, I'm a super insecure writer. So anytime she compliments me, I am that like compliment oh, monster. I just like, I'm like, really? really? And then that like, just like gets me going to the next one. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's it's absolutely true. You are. I think I, I think if you are a creative 
person who puts their work into the world, you're always going to have this moment of, oh, crap. Yeah. What if it sucks? And I mean, I what if I lost it? That's one thing that's funny. I mean, this is our 24th book, but it's not like Well, we hold have... the phone. 24th book. 24th published. published. We have wow. 27 or 8 written. And I think the thing Okay, is... Nora and Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> I am gobbling which, that down. Right? Yeah. Which one of you is Nora and which one of you is Robert? <laughs> Um, I, I don't think there's ever a point where we're like, wow, we just nailed that. No. You know, I mean, we both, whenever you're writing, you know, oh, yeah. you put your words out and you're just like, oh, is this the point where they realize that we have no idea what we're doing? Like every time, every time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you ever go look at back at older books and be like, I want to change that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So but you can't. Nope. Cause no. you'd have to find a whole lot of copies. And like start knocking up. Listen, okay. hi. I know you bought my book like six years ago. Can nice I just come in and change? Eat. I just want to change one Real thing. Yes. I won't even use the bathroom. I'm going to fix this typo that 15 people missed in 30 yes. rounds of edits. Yes. In fact, today, today, somebody tweeted that we had messed up because um, time zones, man. Like oh, between works. between us and Kristen and then like we are in like three different time zones. And so we messed up a time zone when she's like, it's this time now and it's this time. Okay, but I'm just going to say, I don't ever want to know. What yeah, just don't out. tell don't us. Tell <laughs> don't tell me about the typos because there's nothing I can do. There's not enough whiteout. No. We can't fix it. We, we got – when we were in New York yeah, day, this week, um, Sometimes we here. we got to see galleys of the Honey Don't List. And Lo took one and she was reading it in the car. And she could only read it in the car because it's far, like, it's far away. But if she were to read this one, she would freak out because it's, like, right there. She can't do anything hands. about yeah. it. Yeah. In, in galley form, it's still just between you and the publisher. And yeah, it's, it's, and if we needed to, we nebulous. could still make a change to yeah. like yeah. the ebook. It's like so. clay, but it hasn't been fired. Yeah, yet. Right. now it's a whole bunch. Now of it's like and pots and plates. Yeah, yeah, yep. Sorry, can't change it. <laughs> I know that feeling. I wrote a book in two thousand and nine, and there's a couple things I really want to fix. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been ten years. Not over it. Yeah. Nope. That's <laughs> a feeling. It, it is. is. Yep. It is a mood. It's a whole mood. So this story, I promise, no spoilers. Y'all in the back can hear me okay, right? You guys are doing – okay, listen. If you can't hear, just start yelling because I will we, will we will use our drama voices and we will project. So the story is partially about forgiveness and it's also partially about – and I love this part – trying to control the narrative of your life mm -hmm. because the heroine is trying to avoid celebrity. Her father is a celebrity and they have teams of people who control or try to control – the narrative about their lives and have some control over what is said about them. And even for like ordinary people, that's really hard to do. Like I struggle with that as just an ordinary person. I know I definitely struggle with that online too because you really can't control the narrative about yourself. When you have no like in-person connection. No, right? not at all. Yeah. So how do you handle narratives that you can't control? Well, um, I mean, when it, as it comes to our author life, I think fandom really helped us. We kind of grew up in the writing world writing fan fiction. And so you're putting out these stories that are really raw. For the most part, you write them and you just post them. And people have really strong opinions about what you what? did with these characters. <laughs> On the internet? Right? It happens. And um, honestly, like, I think when we were writing fic, it, 
you know, pe- some people love what you're doing and some people hate it because it's not how they envisioned the characters that you're writing this fan fiction for. And so you learn to take criticism and you learn that not everyone is going to love your stuff, you know? And it's instant or it's nine years right. later. Totally. Yeah. And so when we first published and some people hated our first book and we were like, well, that's fair. And some people loved our first book and we were like, that's cool. I think from that point on, having a very polarizing first book kind of helped us learn that like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like write the story you want to write write the book you want to write and you can't always control what's being said about it out there. And I think that, you know, just from a professional standpoint that I think has been the way that we deal with it. Is that sort of what you meant? With, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to add it? Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> Roger that. Yeah. yeah. Can confirm. So with the characters and they're controlling their own narratives, mm-hmm. all of them are trying to control different stories in this book. I swear, no spoilers. They are all trying to control different stories that are all happening at the same time. How difficult was it or was it not difficult to keep track of what everyone wanted to keep control of? Well, we had to rewrite it. Yeah, we basically rewrote this book like two or three times. Two or three times. Oh, piece of cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we just give ourselves permission to – well, the thing is – so we're a big believer and this is like our motto, I swear. Um, we – often don't know how to do something right until we do it wrong, which is super inconvenient and uh, like uh, not the most fun. When you're on two books a year deadlines. But, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we rewrote this a couple of times, but also we, I mean, one of the great things about having a co-author is that there's two of us. So we get two perspectives and if one of us is stuck, we can, you know, give it to the other, but we just like revise and revise and revise. And sometimes it's really funny that like you, think you are, you know, know what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you realize you're not. And I mean, the great thing about working on, I mean, in in fic, you publish it and it's out there, but this, we, we have a chance to go back and change things and change things and see where we messed up and where something needs to connect. And, you know, and I mean, for this one, when we first wrote the book, um, we wrote Sam kind of, so there's a, he, he, messes up and in the first version we had him kind of pushing himself back into her life as adults he came to find her he started trying to do nice things for her he was being very aggressive about trying to make amends and when we stepped back and read that we were like you know everybody is trying to live Tate's life for her they're pulling her away from this culture she knows until she's nine they're pulling her away you know her grandmother's taking her to London and telling her don't tell people who you are um, you know, Sam messes up, like she kind of comes back in at, when we see her as an adult, we had to make sure that she got to choose when to forgive and whether she wanted to. So we had written Sam wrong in that way. You know, we made him way too kind of aggressive and pushy. And so, um, we wanted her to control the narrative. So I think that that was, you know, an important change. It was a hard change. It was a lot of work, but it was worth it. And even in the very beginning of the story, um, the, the grandmother, she has a very specific itinerary. Have you ever traveled with people who are like, at this time, we will be here. And at this time, we will be here. And then at 12.35.04, we will be walking out the door, and then we will be going here. Yes. Well, for anybody listening, I just pointed to Lo. <laughs> she's, our, she's our planner. Oh, and also Kristen, our 
our yes. publicist. But yeah. but if it wasn't for Lo doing those things, like we would never eat. We would just wander around. If it but was it, up it to does me. dictate <laughs> like, how your vacation good. goes, right? And so for Tate, she just wants to be out somewhere else. And her yeah. grandmother is like, no, we have to go to tea, and then we have to go to the museum, and yeah. then we're going to go to the store, and then we're going to yeah. do this. And she's like, I just want to look at this bush in the darkness with this, this hot, hot guy. guy. <laughs> Which to, to her grandmother is not only completely scandalous and dangerous, but like, why? Yeah. What's interesting about this yeah. kid? Yeah. So she gets to choose mm-hmm. just that one little part of yeah. her itinerary. Yeah. Which is the start of her choosing what she wants to do. And what she wants to tell him and who she wants to be and share, you know? Yeah. Yep. And when you have that, like, you know, like the, the things that you reveal to people really late at night or mm-hmm. through the, through like a dark digital connection, like you text people things and you look back and go, I can't oh believe God. I said that. Even <laughs> when we're sober, we're all a little drunk at night. You know what I mean? Like every, <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. Like I, I, the morning light, you're always like, oh, what did I say at the signing last night? Like, I'm going to do that tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens. I tonight. will have a transcript shortly excellent <laughs> <All right. laughs> you can tell me exactly what i said i will tell you exactly what you said. you're being brilliant don't even worry mm. i have a question from hannah and l and they want to know who usually writes the opening paragraph um it just depends um sometimes uh, we split it up so sometimes it depending on which character right we're writing or which scene or which chapter and not only that but we revise so much that if I wrote it, she might have gone back through and edited it and vice versa. So yeah. there's never any set thing. I usually flail what I have to write at the beginning. I like writing the beginning because it dives me right into it. But it is in no way the case that I write it most of the time. It is pretty much 50-50. Right. Um, and even if, you know, like she's writing Hannah and I'm writing Will or she, you know, it. we all, we always have our fingers in every single scene. Yeah. So it's, it ends up being both of us. Yeah. So the next is also a, a process question. This is from Sony Wolf. She says, they talked about this before. I know they alternate writing chapters, but literally how does that work? Are they waiting for the previous chapter to be done before the next one starts? Are they writing concurrently? This is fascinating. So I'm going to be honest and say it really depends on how much time we have because we're almost always working on more than one thing at a time. So for example, right now, we just did the past pages, which means we looked at the proofs of the Honey Don't List. We turned in a book on Saturday that comes out next fall. Yeah. And we're doing promotion for Twice in a Blue Moon. And we have other stuff going on that's not totally book related. So it really depends on how many different things we have going on, who, how much each of us gets to draft and how quickly, because it's sort of hard to split your attention. You know, any writers out there know that if you're working on multiple projects, it takes your brain a tick to like switch over to that other thing. Mm-hmm. And I have tricks for that if any of you guys want to talk about it. But Bring that's, it on. That's, okay. Me too. Okay. Um, so one of them is to make a playlist for each book. And I don't mean a long playlist. I mean like two or three songs, maybe three or four songs that feel like the ambiance of that book and you play on a loop. And that way, when you go back to that project and you put that playlist on, you're not hearing the words anymore or if it's a classical piece, whatever, but it takes you immediately into that mindset. And I mean like the literal, actual neurological mindset. The other idea is to have a place that you write each book. So like I usually have one book I'm working on at the dining room table, one that I'm working on in my office, one that I take my laptop somewhere else so that I go to that space. I put on that playlist and I'm more in that place. So it's it's a ritual. It's almost. a ritual, but it I mean it is like, you know, neurobiologically speaking, it's oh, it's course. a way to, you know, get that your neurons in the right space. I don't for do it. either of those things. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because brains are different. They are different. Um so 
I don't remember what I was saying before that. Probably right. That's. So sometimes, you know, we're drafting and it's so that's like. kind of how it works. Yes. I don't remember what we were doing. <laughs> what were we doing? Writing a book. Um, oh. <laughs> and I mean, I tend to write a little faster. She Much writes faster. Um, writes a little slower. And so sometimes I'm ready to go on to the next one and she's still working on the one or she's ready to go on to the next one and I'm working on something else. And so, yeah, we like to alternate. Ideally, we do every other chapter, but it, it just depends on the project. And like we have done enough books now that it doesn't throw us off if one of us is like doing two chapters in a row you know it's like it's okay we can handle it we don't like to do too much more than that because then we don't feel like super connected to what's happening but yeah yeah so we we divided up we always outline in person because there's just something that happens when we're back and forth like throwing ideas out and stuff and we um so then we will divide it by chapter or point of view or you know scene whatever we go off we write our chapters we upload them to dropbox so we can each reference them and then at some point always low compiles them (laughs) together um and hopefully it looks sort of like a book i mean the thing is though like i think i said earlier we don't ever really feel like we know what we're doing every single book we've done differently because we don't have a process like outlining in person is the only thing that happens every time everything else is just like well what's going to work this time who knows like we just have to mess around with it a little so you have to be flexible yeah yeah so nicolette once says she's a big fan of your work Thank you for writing great romance novels for women. Do you think you'll create another series in the future? Um, If the idea comes, um, the problem is that like we all love series because we love to, you know, see characters. But the problem is that sometimes people buy the first book and then the second book sells fewer and then the third book sells even less. And um, so right now we're just really loving writing standalones where Mm -hmm. we like go in fresh. We don't have, we're not like connected or, you know, kind of tied down to anything. Um, But yeah, I mean, we love writing series because we love having a big cast of characters. Um, So we just basically write the story that's in our head at the time. Mm -hmm. This question is about research, which I find really interesting because each of your books has a sort of almost like a nerdy deep dive into something specific. Like with this one, it's the process of making movies mm-hmm. with other books. It's been uh, the LDS church or fishing, fishing. I mean, there's lots of different sex mm-hmm. in various locations. There's a lot of, <laughs> we different... do a lot of research for that. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I would never ask that question <laughs> because that's gross. I know. <laughs> and I hate that question a lot. <laughs> Uh, Nanda Plume wanted to know, what do you do to do your research? Are you like heavy Googlers? Do you use the library? Do you have a a database that you use? What is your specific um, go-tos for research? It sort of depends on what the research is about. If it's science-y stuff, I tend to take more of that on because I am a scientist and I love putting scientists in our books. I just don't, we don't want to do it too much. So it's like, you know, every female hero, heroine is a scientist. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Anyone um, else okay with that? I mean, I just, I yeah, feel like okay, it's go, inaccessible go to, you know, I don't want it, I don't want it to feel like we're doing the same female over and over, but I really enjoy doing that. And I like bringing some of those elements into it. This one, and I'm pointing to Christina, <laughs> loves doing research. That's like her favorite part. And I think it's because she really wants to get herself, I'll let you answer, but you really like to get yourself in the world and kind of enmeshed in it to be able to write about it yeah like um i mean i've lived in the same place almost my 
um, entire life. Like we were talking about this earlier. I've been married to my high school sweetheart for 25 years. So like my life is a little smaller than some of the characters, you know, in the books. And so um, that's why I love memoirs because it like gives you the sneak peek into other people's lives. But research is seriously one of my favorite parts of writing. Um, I use Google, obviously the internet. I love Google Maps because you can get just right down on the so street. Nosy. Yeah, when we when we wrote, have a pool. <laughs> yeah, when we wrote um, when we were writing the beautiful series, I'd never been to New York, and so I was able to like help write a book that felt like I had been in New York. And um, when we were writing Sweet Filthy Boy, we were able to just like get down, and we'd been there once before, but once, and I did remember details right down to, you know, the brick on a store. But with like Dirty Rowdy Thing, it's about he's a Canadian fisherman. So I read lots of books about the, you know, the industry. And partly because I don't need to know the specifics of every single thing. But when Finn is tying a rope and looking at the weather, he's like, he's not just looking at the weather. He's thinking about like how the weather is going to impact the things he has to do that day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when he's doing something and talking, he's thinking about how he's tying a rope or how, you know, the fishing industry has has changed his life and how that's working in the story. So I love nothing more than when we get to write where somebody's actually doing something. Competence porn. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love competence porn yes. oh, so yeah. much. Like we'll, when uh, London's teaching Luke how to surf. Oh yeah. And Wicked Sexy Liar. Oh my God. I watch so many like YouTube. Videos. I learned so much from YouTube. So so you surf now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very competently. So yeah, I love research and nothing I think makes a reader feel like they trust you to like kind of carry them through this story. Like if you really seem like, you know, your business, even though I really don't know anything. This book though, is funny. We had one of our, so we, I don't, some of you guys might know, some of you might not, we wrote the screenplay for the adaptation for the roomies film. And so we had our, one of our producers, this woman named Betsy Sollinger, she's amazing. And so we asked her, like, we have this book, it has some Hollywood elements to it we know just enough to be wrong about most of it can we send you some questions and you can help us like get it right and so not only did she answer a ton of questions just really thoroughly in writing but she had like a two-hour phone call with us which was just a huge like gift of time um but then what happens sometimes when you have a lot of information about something that's new to you is you put everything in there and it's just more information than you need. So it almost gets away from like the idea of that you're writing a romance novel. So we put it all in and then we had to take a lot out because we're like, this is super boring right now. Like <laughs> nobody cares about who's holding the boom mic or whatever it is, you know. So um, I, that part is fun. And I think it's you put a lot in and then you kind of pare it down so that it, you keep the story. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I love about the the sort of motif that the, the book is about controlling narrative is that there's a part in the book where they're filming a movie. So there's a story inside a story inside another story. It's like the best nesting dolls ever. <laughs> it's really great. And there's a lot of behind the scenes about creating a movie. Did you write the whole movie that's in the book? Like, do you know that whole story of the movie that's inside? We know their whole story, but the whole we didn't write the whole screenplay. So we we chose certain scenes from what we know as characters' stories. We know their whole story, but we chose specific ones to go as like excerpts from the screenplay so that you can read what they're shooting. Because we don't want to be like, he picks up the something on the table and the director calls, you know, 
action. And we wanted you just to like say, and then we start rolling and then you see the script there. Because um, yeah. the, the book is very much from Tate's mm-hmm. perspective. She's also creating characters of, of herself and yeah. of the characters that she's playing and, right. and the movie that she's recreating. There's a lot of interaction with people who are creating narrative right in front of you. Yeah. It's a really interesting way of That's layering cool. narrative. It is pretty cool. Thank nice you. job. No, I mean, thanks for saying that. You're smarter than we are. Good job. <laughs> that was an accident, I'm sure. No. <laughs> no, I'm glad I'm glad that you that you enjoyed that piece of it. I love does anyone else love behind the scenes competence porn, right? Yeah. Like when you take a really nerdy deep dive into something and you come out like, well, now I know how to fish. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna set up a hole in the ice, feed my whole family. It's gonna be great. Are there books that you love that do that? Do you do you like in addition to memoirs? Is that I mean, I'm a nonfiction gravi- lover. Like I yeah. love nonfiction just because I feel like, and it's true that truth is stranger than fiction. So I I love that's where I go for my like decompressing after writing after writing romance. This hard life of writing romance, yeah. I love it. <laughs> now Zoe asked me a question to ask you a question about romance versus women's fiction. And it's really interesting because my perspective on this question is probably very different from a bookseller's perspective, from a publicist, from a writer's, from a reader's. And it's really interesting because we're sort of watching the genre shift and change a little bit. And we use different words to describe the same thing. Um, So Zoe's question I thought was interesting. She asked, I've heard that this book is a bit of a departure in that it is categorized as chick lit as opposed to romance, which I find really interesting because I've heard it categorized as women's fiction instead of romance, which means like everyone's deciding what this book is, which means I get to ask you. Um, (laughs) Zoe says, and I feel this statement, I definitely need escapism and HEAs right now. Can you comment a bit on whether you hold by this distinction and what made you move in the direction that you're in? So I would say this book is romance. It's not a rom-com. I think we are kind of becoming known for rom-coms in this current, you know, um, rom-com renaissance. We've kind of always written books that we hope will make you laugh. But um, there's a couple of our books that are a little bit more sincere in tone. Uh, Love and Other Words is one. Autobiography is YA, but that's certainly another. And yeah, and we're very lucky to be able to write, although I wouldn't say autobiography is women's fiction. It's definitely YA. (laughs) not a female protagonist, but um, we're really lucky to be able to write whatever story we have in our heads. So that's something that is so great. We have a really good relationship with our publisher. We have a lot of support to write those stories. I think for us, the distinction is with romance, the romantic arc is the primary arc. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the happily ever after is guaranteed. That's the contract that we make with you, the reader. In women's fiction, a happily ever after could happen. It's not guaranteed. But the heroine's journey is the is the primary arc. Romance may or may not happen. And so we are romance writers. So we might have some stories like Twice in a Blue Moon, Life, Like Love, in other words, that have a more women's fiction feel um, because they're not just sort of primarily lighthearted. Um, but we're always going to write romances. And so anybody who needs it, HEA, you will find that in this book. So do not worry. Good to know. Yes. Do you encounter reader comments about what book is this? What kind of book is yeah. this? What is this one? Yeah. Yeah. Is I it- think when we wrote Love in Other Words, um, and they were sort of calling it women's fiction, a lot of people were concerned that meant that like there was no happily ever after. Or somebody was going to die. Or somebody was going to die. I think that's how a lot, I think that's how a lot of people define like women's fiction. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's a fair concern because you could have women's fiction with an HEA or, and women's fiction where somebody dies and they're on the same shelf. Yeah. Yeah. We're just always, we're always going to write a happily ever after. Um, and so I, like, I don't actually even technically know what like chiclet is. 
Like I feel like it's like lighthearted women's fiction. Is that term even used anymore? Does anyone walk in and go, I'm looking for some chiclet? Does is that I no. I feel like that's a term from like 10, 15 years I ago, think right? Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I guess. Yeah, like I think yeah. Shopaholic and books from different yes. cartoon covers from a bygone era as opposed yeah. to the cartoon covers that we have now. Right. Yeah. Those are different. They're I different just, cartoon covers. Like like when in my real life, if somebody finds out that I write and they go well what do you write I say this is my like answer now have you seen the proposal and they go yeah and I go we we write like that and they go oh I love that movie and so that's usually what I say but sometimes it's a little bit more like heart clenchy and sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little funnier yeah. but hopefully when you read our books you they still feel like our books. books yeah well I think that it helps a lot to commit to the HEA and to yeah. say no you're going yeah. to get that write a like that's what I want yeah I mean same. Yeah. Like, take me on any journey. Make me cry. Make me hate you for a few, like, hundred pages is fine. Maybe not a few No, no, I don't, I don't want you to hate me. <laughs> Maybe, like, 30. Um, but, like, give me a happy ending and I'm, you know. Yeah, we're not going to, like, have they kiss and then, like, a bus comes up. and <laughs> We're not doing that. <laughs> and that was the end of the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a double-decker bus because they're in London. <laughs> All right. So you guys are traveling a lot for this book. Do you have travel tips that you swear by for for travel when you're promoting a book? Um, So we have one that we sort of discovered for this trip, which is we realized – so I really like boutique hotels. But I have found that on – I found on book tour that I actually like sort of standard chain hotels for book tour. I want to be able to go down to the lobby and get an Advil if they have a little store. I want to have a big wide counter so I can like open my, you know, cosmetics thing and then like throw it back up and throw it in my, Mm -hmm. um, back together and throw it in my suitcase. Like I feel like I need more space when I'm on a vacation. I like to have those little hotels. I don't know if that means anything to anybody. That's the only one we've discovered. Well, so I'm a terrible packer. Uh, my suitcase weighs 46 pounds, whether I am like in it gone for three days <laughs> or 10 days. And part of it is because I have so many toiletries, so many. And, um, I know so many full size toiletries, full size toiletries. I think like because when I try and pare like- down, I forget stuff. Yeah. Um, but this trip, I put all my clothes on hangers. And then I just like laid them in my suitcase. And so since we're at a place for a night and then we leave in a place for a night and we leave, Lo had tried to like pack hers so that it was like, this is Monday. But I, she spreadsheet stuff and I don't do that. This is why you and I get on. I know. So I have a, I have a spreadsheet thing too. Yeah. So I just like, when I open my suitcase, I just like grab my clothes, hang them in the closet and I'm done. And then when it's yeah. time. So I did that. It That's weighs a new like. a good system for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just like normally in this. When Lo and I would share rooms, it just drove her nuts because she would hang everything up and like lay her shoes out. She and like I just... opens her bag and she's like, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. But now we've got the hangers. It yeah. works. Well, the, the funnier part, though, is that like it's not necessarily a travel trip, but if you need something, there's somebody very specific to come to. If you need a modium or lip gloss, lip gloss you come to me. <laughs> if you need something like functional. Then you would. Like, I don't know. I don't. I was, modium like and lip gloss are pretty, pretty, requ- pretty high on the like list of requirements. And you know that kind of thing. Then you like always go to low. But like I always have my backpack. I always have like a whole like medicine thing. And yeah, so you're basically a walking Walgreens. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Just, I, so if you need some modium, I'm your girl. I hope everyone here is okay. I know. You just, you just like quietly raise a hand, and we'll see. You. We got you. No problem. 
Okay, so, but wait, spreadsheets? I just yeah. got a t-shirt that says, a lady in the streets, a freak in the spreadsheets. And I love it so much. And so when you said that, I'm like, maybe I need to buy Sarah this shirt. Oh, my God. I have a, I have a spreadsheet for my family trips. Yes. I have a spreadsheet for my business trips. Yes. I have a spreadsheet for my personal trips. And I – so I – I recognize that my brain has a certain number of decisions that it can make in a day. And then I hit zero. My brain's like, you get no more decisions. It's chicken nuggets for days. That's all you get. Like, that's all. What's for dinner? I have no idea. Air. Air is what's for dinner tonight. So I Mm pre-decide things and I decide what I'm going to wear because I know if I'm traveling, especially if I'm business, I'm going to be in a hotel room. I'm going to be uncaffeinated. And a not caffeinated clothing decision on a business trip is a bad idea. This is so sexy right now. I'm just like, (laughs) yes. So I pre-plan my I pre-plan my outfits and it's like my stomach clenched. <laughs> I'm like I'm it's, seeing a lot of people out there going, oh god, this sounds really it's Wednesday. Like I want what am I wearing? Out. Okay, past Sarah, thank you. Now I can get coffee. Yes. Like it's all about getting to the coffee with minimal Decision hurdles. Decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is, is very real. real very yes. real. My brain has a certain number. Mm-hmm. What I didn't put this on my list. I'm a terrible human. What is your favorite thing about each other? Oh my goodness. Just the one. You can only name one thing. Oh. <laughs> Oh, my God. She's such a love. Like, I have been going through a really stressful couple of months. And I just, I, like, can turn to her any second, and she's, like, the biggest cheerleader. Like, she is seriously the greatest, most supportive friend. I'm just, I don't know what I would do without her. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I think, like, Lo is... Well, I mean, I would say the same thing. She's like everybody's cheerleader. Like uh, if you are a writer starting out, she is like the person you want like with you. I've seen her like read friends' query letters, read their first chapters. I love query letters. Read and just do anything she can to help them. And, you know, and uh, sometimes I'm just like. I don't know how you're doing that, you know, <laughs> and um, and she just is like always there to like lift somebody else up. And I just like love that about her so much. This is why people think we're married. I know, we're not married. People are like, oh, wait, you're married you're to not, other people? You're not actually together. Oh, so what do you guys do to take care of yourselves and take care of your creative selves? It's a good question, Sarah. I've been asking everybody that I'm very nosy. I try and get a massage after every book. This one I needed a massage two weeks before the deadline because I was like, <laughs> I'm done. Um, but I feel like that, especially writers, even if you have a standing desk, we get very like hunchy and like a oh, lot of tension in our shoulders. Shoulders are up here. Yeah. And I find that I'm having weird like arm numbness and like finger pain. And I'm like, you know what? We have to take care of our bodies, even though we're not professional athletes. Like we are using like specific digits all the time. So we I try and be conscious of of like muscles and joints and that's When's I'm the last saying. time you replaced your pillow? Oh, I actually am very good about replacing okay, good. pillows. We I just replaced our pillow and it changed my flip in life. I oh know. my god. I try and get new pillows once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Would you want a tip of what to do with your old pillow? What? Do you have dogs? Yes. Okay, so you can get a big zipper bag <gasps> and you put your old pillows in the zipper bag and you turn them into a dog bed because nothing smells more like you than your morning breath oh, embedded in a pillow for a year. <laughs> My dogs love our formerly our bed pillows bed. Like they just roll around in there. That's awesome. So yeah. right now our like the sequences I Give, put them in my kids' beds because my kids end up not using a pillow anyway. And then maybe after yeah. that, I'll give them to the dogs. Yeah, I like it. What about you? Um, Lo could answer this question. 
for me. I'm like the biggest fangirl. And so I always have to have something to obsess about. Um, and so like it was Twilight and like, then it was One Direction <laughs> and now it's BTS. And so like, um, our friend Brie came and she's like my BTS, um, concert friend. Although Lo is going to Jingle Ball with me to see them. I'm very excited. Um, I just need something. I think everybody needs something that makes them crazy, stupid, happy mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with like, anything else going on in your life and they just give me such unbridled like squealy joy yeah Yeah. and everybody needs something that that makes them stupid and um that's them for me i found a a line from a mary oliver poem earlier this year and it really embedded myself in its brain in my brain it says you only you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves yeah just don't get in your own way and give yourself a hard time just love what you love and whatever it is, you just, that's your whole job. Yes. Uh, I yeah. Love her so much. My ability to fangirl is like the best and worst thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is. So you mentioned what you're working on now. You have page proofs, mm-hmm. you have another book, and you have another book coming out, and then you have this one. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. We are well, when you say lucky. it like that, that's a lot. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the next book? Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, so the Honey Don't List oh, is out. Um, March 24th, 2020. Yes. Do you know what year it is right now? Nope. Okay. Me neither. It's fine. I don't even know what day it I is. I keep writing oh, 2018 on things lately. I'm like, why did that happen in I October? had to write a check today and I was like, do I put a 19 or a 20 here? It's 19. No, it's 2000 and something now. Yeah. I asked my kids what date it is so much because they have to write it every day in school. So, yeah. I mean, I could just look at my Apple Watch, but no, okay. Oh, no, they have to write it down. Make them use that word. I know, it's true. <laughs> I know. Um, so, The Honey Don't List is, if you liked The Unhoneymooners, if you like Josh and Hazel, you're going to love this one. It's the story of um, Carrie and James, and they are both assistants to a kind of power couple in the home renovation world. So Rusty and Melissa Tripp are a very famous couple. They do home renovations. They have a TV show. And they have just recently published a book on successful marriage. But it turns out that Rusty and Melly cannot stand each other. And so Carrie and James, our hero and heroine, are sent on the road with them for their book tour to try and keep this marriage from falling apart publicly. And in the process, Carrie and James might fall in love. And it's so, it was really fun to write. I mean, it was really fun. There's so much competence porn built in. Yes. But there's like power tool and yes. travel porn. And, oh my And God. I love James because he was hired to be Rusty's like engineer, but he's basically been relegated to the role of assistant, which just like pisses him off. Whereas like Carrie is this incredibly capable executive assistant who's yeah. been doing that since she was basically 16. And so it's a really fun sort of classist dilemma between them. Yes. Um, but also, you know, competence. And um, I just really, really love them. They like, they make me laugh. There's a couple scenes that I still laugh when I read them, which is good because, you know, when you've read your book 40 times, it's like hard to see, you know, it is a new thing. Yeah. Um, that's a book Lo came out to my house and she, so you might have guessed it's like sort of a Chip and Joanna Gaines-ish. She'd never watched no. Um And so, and so she came out to my house in like February or something and we outlined it and she, we just watched tons and tons and tons of it. And because um, we were just like, wouldn't it be hilarious if they actually hated each other? <laughs> and they clearly don't. OK, so this is but we did a few weeks ago. He was on the cover of People or In Touch okay or, something, or something. And it was like, I've made mistakes. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, 
what if it starts coming out in March that they like hate each other and we're like, sorry, like, you know, but at least now it's like, it's just pretend. It's no, no, really no. Bad. That's when you set up a hotline and be like, look at what we can predict. Would you like lottery numbers? What would you like us to tell you about your future? I really love it though. Cause Carrie's the assistant and like all of us have been an assistant and wow. we're the ones who are like really running the show. Yeah. And, um, that's poor Carrie. Just yeah. <laughs> I was going to say when when you were talking, Lauren, I was an executive assistant on so many different levels. I at a summer camp at a Fortune 100 company. But the administrative management skill, it's a skill. Like you don't just roll up to that job and do it. You have to be able to organize multi. I see all these people going, yeah. It's like your resume should just say get shit done. Right? (laughs) Especially if you have to be private but also public facing. Yes. Very different skill sets. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. Oh, yeah. And you have your phone voice and, and you're like mm-hmm. talking to the in-house caterer voice. And yeah, it's that that is an underrepresented um, form of heroism. Yes. So I'm really well, not anymore. <laughs> the honey awesome. list out in March 2020. Dope. All right. Before we open up for questions, I always ask, do you have any books that you want to tell people about? And if you want to name memoirs, I'm certainly here. I have a pen. I even wrote down memoir wreck. <laughs> I'm ready just in case you have. a Well, few. I just read Demi Moore's. Oh, what did you think? Oh, it was it was awesome. I mean, I think because I don't I didn't really know that much about her. I like knew who she was, but um I didn't know anything about her like completely harrowing childhood. Yeah, it was great. I really I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm li- I'm uh, listening. I started listening to um Ali Ali Wong's Ali Wong's on the plane. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk of ass eating. <laughs> <laughs> she was saying that when we were getting off the plane and like there was no, like, volume happening. She's like, there's a lot of ass eating in this book. And I was like. <laughs> well, I was listening to it through my headphones. And then and then at one point I went to check and I hit play on my watch after I unplugged my headphones in. And all I could just imagine was her talking about wilting boners and ass eating. Oh, my. I hope there's no kids in here. <laughs> yeah. And you. <laughs> I'm reading Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. <laughs> yeah, and I'm into it. I mean, it took me a couple chapters to figure out what was going on because I feel like I've never been on the Yale campus and I certainly wasn't a, a student there and I certainly wasn't a part of a secret society. So a lot of it was just like, oh, I know. <laughs> Rude. Um, but yeah, so I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I'm also so. reading uh, Renee. I always say Andia's uh, The Beautiful. Yes. Oh. Vampire romance. Vampire. Yes. yes. I love the way you described it earlier, where you're like, it's like somebody giving me food I forgot I loved. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a vampire romance. Bring it back. New Orleans. In New Orleans. Yeah. The heroine is French and a dressmaker who runs away from France and hides in New Orleans because she's done something that she's running away from. Um she has two cop. There are two copies over the starboard side of the store, um, and there's a there's a secret society. There's vampires, and I did an interview with Renee earlier today, and we were talking about it. I'm like, it, when the minute I read about the description of this book, it was like somebody telling me about a food that I forgot that I loved. Like you ever find a recipe in the back of the cookbook, and you're like, oh my god, this I love this. I haven't eaten this in like five years. Yeah. I have to make it right yeah, now because yeah. we all have Twilight. You all have. <laughs> a lot of oh, nodding yeah. oh yeah oh but yeah also renee's really lovely yeah oh Love and it's beautiful it's a beautiful book it's beautiful language beautiful book by a good person yeah i like those mm-hmm. all right who has questions who wants to ask things i have more questions but i yield the floor to all of y'all 
ma'am. All right. So first of all, I you didn't have the same jacket. You oh got God. the memo that we're wearing burgundy but that's today. That's the same jacket I have. That's me. anthropology, right? Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> it's the best jacket ever. I got it in the brown too because it was such a perfect fit. I'm so sorry. It yeah. looks great on you. It does. <laughs> all right. Are there other movies coming up that you did things with? Yes. So right now we are working up the Beautiful Bastard series um, for TV. So we've been pitching that to networks. And what it's that a, means is we have to go in and do a little song and dance in front of some like executives, whole bunch of guys. Yeah. and hope. That, Actually, like, it's been all women except for one meeting. Wow! Yep. Really? Yep. No khaki pants. No, uh, all women. No khaki pants. And they're like, yes. most of them are the decision makers. And the dudes that we met like, with were actually pretty great dudes. So it was like, nice. it was all around. It's been a pretty good experience. I am very pleased and to be corrected. And it's been really fun because we've really updated the beautiful world for this. You know, we've kind of altered the power dynamics a little and made it more a little like modern and present day. And it's been really fun. So that is something that um, we've been working on. And the Rumi's movie is still alive and kicking. Um, there's a lot that happens once you turn in the script that is like totally behind the veil for us. Like books, you s- sign a contract. It says we're going to publish your book on this date and you have to turn in the v- draft this date and do edits this date and this and the book will come out. 99.9% of the time the book happens. But with movies, it's like you sell or option a film and it may or may not happen. I mean, the odds are really low. And even if you get right up to the point where it's, you know, about ready to start, unless it's greenlit, like it could not happen at any time. So once it's out of our hands, it's sort of like we there's not a lot we can do. But we really trust the team and everybody's really passionate. So I feel pretty good. And then there's a few other things that are happening that we can't talk about yet, but I hope that we'll have some news soon because we have a lot of things that are just like crazy exciting. So. Also, Burgundy. I love it. Well done team. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm co-writing a draft of a novel with a really good friend of mine. So basically my question is what is your like, advice for doing that and like what do you hope other co-writers know <laughs> you mean so like like so we're both like you do i so number one make sure that you trust the person because not only is it like your friendship but you're entering a business you're creating a business with them so you want to make sure that this is somebody that you want to like split money with and talk money with which can be yucky for you know all of us and stuff so make sure it's somebody that you trust with everything and also like we are friends every bit as much as we are business owners co-authors whatever we spend put as much energy into our friendship as we do um our work life but also you can't be precious yeah like, the whole point is to make the best book that you can. So like put your sort of delicate feelings aside as much as you can mm-hmm. and learn how your partner likes to receive feedback. So like you might like really blunt, super honest um, criticism, but she might not or she or he might not like that. And so you got to kind of figure that out and be honest about how you need to receive it because you're not going to hear it if it comes at you in a way that doesn't work for you. Um, and I think, you know, every 
partnership that we have encountered is really different. We're lucky in that we started writing together before we knew each other very well. So our friendship has kind of grown out of the partnership. But I think if you're coming into it as friends, just make sure that that piece always stays a separate thing, right? So do stuff together and take time together that's not about the book, but that's about like you guys being friends. And good luck. It's yes, seriously it's the most so amazing fun. thing. Like, yeah. We travel with our best friend. We have somebody to celebrate the good and the bad. Um, writing super isolating. Yeah. So we always have somebody there. And email us if you guys run into something that you don't know how to navigate. Seriously, like we'll help you. And we started by writing together. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. All right. Blue scarf. Yep. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of people can hear like movie deals and all these books and go, I want that. You know, it's why I say, I want that. Having a real realistic sense of how much work, how hard you work. Do you have a team around you? Are you working with? Do you have assistants? Whatever. And then, kind of, how many hours a day? How many hours a week are you working? This is a really good question because I mean, this just in total transparency here. All of the movie stuff we're doing so far is on spec. So, with the exception of the beautiful series, which has been optioned. It hasn't been outright bought yet. That's what a network, network or a studio would do if they decided to make the show. Um, the screenwriting, all of the other projects we're working on have for us has been on spec. And what that means is we are doing that work, um, assuming that this project can sell. So it is a lot of time that we have put into this stuff without getting paid. And that has to be in the extra cracks, the nooks and crannies of our free time, because we're also writing two books a year and promoting two books a year and touring and raising kids and all that stuff. So it is a lot. And I think, you know, the idea of having a movie made is really glamorous. And obviously, we love the idea of it. But in a way, we want to do that to support the books too, and to support readers who want to see the books they love in a different form. So it's not because we want to like go Hollywood or be in LA more because nobody really wants to be in LA more. Um, what, it, what it is, is it's just a new medium. And it's a new way to write and to express creativity. And so it's been a lot of um, like time capital for us. And it's yeah. I mean, it's really rewarding, but it hasn't been financially rewarding in that way yet, if that makes sense. So if you want to be a writer, be a writer to write. Um, don't be a, don't write a book to try and get a movie made, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The chances are so low. They're so low. And even for us, like we have multiple irons in the fire, but none of them might happen. And that's okay. Like as long as we can keep writing books, that's okay. We'll hustle because it's fun and we're enjoying it. But as soon as it stops being fun, we'll just do books, you know. And we don't really have like, I mean, we have a team, we have a publisher, which helps a lot. We're not self-published. Um, we could not like even remember our own, our own names without Kristen. Kristen. Oh my gosh. Um, so she's our PR rep and she travels with us and basically helps us remember like what, day what we do. Yeah. yeah. What year it is. But we don't have like an assistant. So like yeah. if you tweet us. It's us it's replying. Us. Yeah. If there's a typo. It's, it's her. <laughs> I really love when people can, I tweeted something the other day and it was a flail about something. And, um, this reader, Leslie, she was like, calm down, calm Christina. down, Christina. <laughs> I was like, how the hell did she know that was me? I even spelled everything right. So, yeah. All right. Second row. Yep. Yes. Very important question about honeydew. I hear travel. I want to know if they're going to be sharing a bed. Oh, <laughs> only one bed. Will there be only one bed? Uh, they they do not share bed in that way. No, but I mean, yeah. they do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Next question. In the very back. Oh, okay. Oh, 
Thank you for your service to the to the blind spot. Hello. I love women Hi. so much. Unfortunately, this person was too far back from the microphone to be heard. I'm sorry about that. What she's asking about is reviewers and Instagram book reviewers and bloggers that Christina Lauren enjoys or recommends or likes to watch. Smart bitches is fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You know what? It's really, so it's always such a weird thing because uh, reviews are not for writers. Mm -hmm. They're for readers. And if you go looking for stuff, there's a chance you're going to find stuff that you don't want to see are not going to make your day. Um, I see lots of stuff because I use TweetDeck and I have columns for everything. So I see lots of stuff that maybe doesn't make my day. Um, but we do. I love YouTube videos, like the reviews. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if if people have a lot of love for a book and they tag us in the review, we love watching those videos. We're not going to go searching for them, though, because I just like my whole motto is don't look for trouble, you know. Um, and so that's. That's what I live by. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you link, if you tweet us and, you know, we're going to watch and, and, um, because I mean, don't tweet somebody and tell them their book sucks. But, (laughs) but, you know, like reviewers, sometimes they don't like something. That's, that's totally fine, you know. Um, but we usually, people, I think I said it earlier, people make sure you find the things you're supposed to find. Mm -hmm. We're, we're so honored when people like do a video because they loved our book. Are you kidding me? Or like have a blog and write a whole thing. That's a lot of words. So yeah. (laughs) Uh, Was there a specific author when you, I have two questions. Was there a specific author growing up that made you like inspired you to want to write when you were younger? Um, So I used to write days of our lives fan fiction (laughs) into, yes, in notebooks that I left under my bed when I went to college. And my mom promptly changed my bedroom into a sewing room. And so I'm sure she found all of them and was like, what is all this humping? Like, this is so weird. So that's not a writer, but I know. Um, We haven't spoken about it too much. She had, she, I like brought it up once and she kind of laughed and I was like, what does that mean? What does that laughing mean? Um, (laughs) If I could. And I think she just I'll like ask her. threw it out. But um, but I did, you know, my I grew up in Berkeley and my parents both went to Cal and they were very, they, you know, my dad was into like various serious speculative sci-fi fantasy and my mom was a literary fiction reader and they both sort of like thought of reading as this kind of like noble whatever. And so when I wanted to buy Danielle Steele books with my allowance, they were a little judgy and I didn't care. I was like, this is my jam. I want to read Palomino 40 times. Like, you're not going to stop me. Zoya. Yes. Oh my God, Zoya. Oh my God. So honestly, I now think- I see where you get your competence porn from. Yes. So I Danielle's think Danielle's all, she's all about it. Dive. She is. So I think that for me, like I discovered romance and no one else in my family read it. And I just, I knew what I liked. I knew I wanted to write those kinds of stories. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was in the Air Force. We weren't very fancy. Uh, but my mom loved romance so much so that we would go to the library and to the used bookstore. And my mom had bookcases in the garage. And when I was a little kid, I thought Barbara Cartland was maybe the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. I can see that. Do you know who Barbara Cartland is? Yeah, she like has her little like dog. fluffy dogs and her sparkles, and so every time yes. I get something, I'm like, "Am I transformation into Barbara Cartland?" <laughs> nearing completion. Um, and when I was little, I wanted to be Joan Wilder, but I didn't start writing songs in my 30s because writing felt like a lot of work. <laughs> kind of is. Yeah, it is. Kind of is. Yeah. The second question is that is there a reason you guys only write with your first 
Mm-hmm. A lot we of get that a lot. Do. We actually get people who've read all of our books and they come up to us in a signing line and like she'll sign it and then hand it to me and they'll be like, no, no, I just need her signature. And I'm like, well, I'm the other part. Like, you know, <laughs> they don't realize that there's two of us. Um, and I think so when we were first talking about it, we wanted to make sure readers knew that we spent a lot of time making our books feel cohesive and like they were coming from one voice, right? And even though it's alternating point of view, we don't want it to feel disjointed or like you sort of feel like you're pulled out of the book because one, you know, chapter feels smoother, less clunky or whatever. Um, I think we are both equally strong writers, but that was always our concern. And so when we talked about it with our agent, she was like, let's have a pen name that's just one name so that people know that this is a cohesive story, right? Also, I mean, it's a little like being Batman and like mm-hmm. having another name. It's worked out really well. And also, like if somebody's like, ugh, Christina Lauren, I'm like, that girl's a mess. <laughs> because that's not like us, yeah. you know? And so it gives you it gives you a little bit of like separation. Yeah. But also then we're always working for like Christina Lauren. Yeah. There's never any like special feelings or There's try- an individual ego. It's we're like just, a shared ego. We're just Christina Lauren. Yeah. Shall we sign some books? Yes. We got to get to the signing of the right. books part, right? All right. How is this going to work? All right. First of Wait. all, I think another round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. If you came out to the live event last week, thank you. And if you were at the Sherry Thomas event two days later, I have audio of that, and that will be next week's podcast. So next week, another live event, this time with Sherry Thomas. If you would like to find Christina Lauren, you can find them on their website, christinalaurenbooks.com, and they're on Twitter and Instagram at Christina Lauren. If you would like to email me, you can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or Sarah, with an H, at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. Either way, all the email goes to the same place, and I love hearing from you. This episode was brought to you by The Seduction of Lady Phoebe by Ella Quinn. Polite society has its rules for marriage, but for Ella Quinn's eligible bachelors, their brides will show them that rules are for the faint of heart. Available in mass market for the first time comes USA Today bestselling author Ella Quinn's first book in the marriage game series, The Seduction of Lady Phoebe. Can Lord Marcus convince daring, fate-and-driving Lady Phoebe that he is her perfect match? After all, all is fair in love and war. The Seduction of Lady Phoebe by Ella Quinn is on sale now wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com and ellaquinnauthor.com. Today's episode and the transcript are brought to you by All I Want for Christmas is You by Miranda Lyason. If you like Jill Shalvis, Susan Mallory, and Rayanne Thane, you will love this holiday romance featuring, get your bingo cards ready, a sexy firefighter, a surprise baby, a fake engagement, and a cookie baking contest, all set against the backdrop of the charming small town of Angel Falls, Ohio. Caitlin Barnes and her longtime crush Rafe Langdon share a sizzling evening that delivers an epic holiday surprise. Caitlin is pregnant. And if that weren't life-changing enough, everyone assumes they're engaged, a charade they must keep alive through the holiday season. But Kate knows better than anyone that the chances of Rafe settling down are about as likely as Santa skipping Angel Falls this year. Rafe would rather Caitlin believe a lie that their night together was just a fling than face his own dangerous truth that he's falling for her hard. 
Rafe swore he'd never risk his heart again. Yet, the longer they pretend to be engaged, the more Rafe starts to want the real thing. But now he has to convince Caitlin he wants to be by her side and their babies for all the Christmases to come. Publishers Weekly called All I Want for Christmas is You a scrumptious holiday treat. And the book includes the bonus novel Christmas on Mistletoe Lane by Annie Rains and a chocolatey Christmas cookie recipe. All I Want for Christmas is You is on sale now wherever books are sold. And for more information, find out all you need to know at MirandaLiason.com. As always, thank you to the podcast Patreon community and to Wilbur, who is chirping at something. I have to record downstairs today because Zab, my smaller dog, hurt his leg and I don't want him climbing the stairs. So I have moved my portable studio and all of the animals have something to say about this. So where was I? Patreon. Thank you so very much for all of your support. If you are part of the Patreon community, your support makes such a difference. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. If you would like to have a look, patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges begin at $1 and you help keep the show going and you help make sure every episode is accessible. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. The music you're listening to is from Caravan Palace. This is Star Scat and you can find it on their album. Well, it's actually a double album, including Caravan Palace and Panic. You can find it at Amazon and iTunes or wherever you buy your music. And I'm pretty much a fan of the whole double album because all of it is music that I really like working to. I will have links to all the books we mentioned and I will have links to find Christina Lauren and One More Page books if you're looking for romance-friendly indie bookstores and you're in the Virginia area. Well, like the Arlington, Virginia area. The rest of Virginia, there's a lot of traffic. What is up with that? This whole area is like traffic. Anyway, if you're in Northern Virginia, One More Page books in Arlington has a great romance section and they host wonderful events. And as usual, This episode ends with a terrible joke. I feel like I should put ominous music because these jokes are so bad and I love them so much. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Why do nurses carry red crayons? Why do nurses carry red crayons? In case they have to draw blood. (laughs) It's so dumb. (laughs) Love it. That is from 33 Billings on Reddit where I find many, many terrible jokes. And then they land in my inbox. So coming up next week, I have listener-supported bad jokes. It's almost like the best kind of pledge drive, right? Like, please support your local podcast by emailing the worst jokes you know. I am so grateful when you do. On behalf of everyone here, including Zeb, who just took a painkiller and is feeling very happy indeed, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you back here next week. This podcast is part of the Frolic Podcasting Network.